they have asked me to do tonight. But we will need your help tonight. Amen. All right. So we, uh, again, are grateful tonight. There are some three-by-five cards on your seats. Uh, if you don't have one, uh, look around. Uh, if you can't find one next to you, raise your hand. Someone will get uh, a card to you. Uh, those cards are uh, provided for uh, your use. If you develop questions or have questions, go ahead and write your questions down on that 3x5 card. And we will receive those cards from you later on in the program tonight. Uh, the uh, information that needs to go on that index card, uh, you need to include your email address uh, and or phone number. Uh, we will collect them later on, uh, and uh, the candidates will respond later uh, to uh, those questions that are uh, put on those cards. There are also uh, going to be uh, some questions that uh, shall be posted later on uh, on social media, uh, other questions that we did not have time tonight uh, to put on uh, the program. Those will be posted, uh, the answers to those questions will be posted from the candidates, uh, those who, uh, those, those answers will be submitted later on on social media uh, uh, for uh, you to read. Uh, we are grateful tonight to have uh, Rejoice uh, uh, 1110.com with us. Uh, as uh, Mr. Bailey has already introduced himself, we're grateful to have him tonight uh, live streaming us. Also, those of you who have Facebook or other uh, social media platforms that you would like to stream, feel free. For those uh, that you know uh, uh, can can hear on here tonight, uh, the, the questions, the and uh, where our candidates stand. Without further ado tonight, uh, I would like to uh, ask me, who is the counselor and deacon of the Macedonia Missionary Baptist Church here in Ardmore, Oklahoma. We're going to invite him to come and to give an invocation. And after that, I will introduce tonight our illustrious MC. Will you please bow your heads as I open our forum with a moment of prayer. Eternal Father, loving God, creator of everything, thank you on behalf of all who are gathered here tonight and those who are viewing on streaming devices and other media. Keep love at the forefront of our hearts and minds. We come to you this hour asking your blessing on this event tonight. We ask for a special blessing on all the candidates for the positions of city commissioner. Give each one of them a desire to find ways to improve our community. We get the food we received here tonight. it. Thank you for the NAACP, each individual, and all the agencies that have worked so hard to make this event possible. And thank you for all the media representatives who have taken time from their busy schedules tonight. We pray for guidance and direction tonight. Give each of us a clear mind, a peaceful heart, and the guiding light that will give us cause to celebrate what we accomplish on this night. These blessings and other blessings we ask in your great and holy name. Amen. Thank you, uh, Mr. Maytubby. Now, uh, tonight, I would like to introduce to you uh, those of you who may not know uh, this young lady uh, that, who has agreed to be our MC tonight. Uh, she is a, uh, a native of uh, North Texas. 
and uh, she has attended University of, of North Texas and graduated from there. Uh, some of you may have seen her uh, on uh, the news station peeping out from under those little uh, stocking caps trying to stay warm while she's uh, uh, giving the news. You may have, you may have seen her uh, uh, talking about the weather. Uh, uh, you may have seen her already. But I just want to tell you a few other things about her. She's known since uh, high school after joining uh, the yearbook and the newspaper in high school that uh, this was one to be one of the things that she wanted to do in life. Uh, during college, she worked on uh, two campus broadcasts and uh, completed a fellowship uh, with Musi and uh, intern at KERA. Now she's enjoying uh, getting to know the beauty and the history of Southern Oklahoma. Uh, she'd love to tell a story uh, and hear your story. Uh, if you would just uh, uh, look her up uh, at KXII and email her there. So without further ado tonight, I would like to introduce to you tonight Miss Caroline Clewis of KXII Channel 12 in Ardmore, Sherman, and Denison. Would you give her a big hand tonight as she comes? Come on, come on. You can do better than that. Give her a big hand. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was very kind. Well, welcome to the forum tonight. I'm very honored to be here. The questions that will be asked tonight are the result of a week-long survey posted on social media which gave readers the chance to identify concerns they would like to see addressed by our city. After sifting through a wide range of submitted topics, one of our committee members, Tony, produced a total list of six questions. Now, due to lack of time, our candidates will answer three of the six questions on stage tonight. Each candidate has been given advance notice to which of the questions will be asked tonight. We've invited each candidate to provide rented answers, written answers sorry, to all six of the questions that we might share them in the candidate's own words on social media. The format will follow this order. The first question will first go to Ward 2 candidates, that's Northeast, and Alphabet, so that'll be Brad Blackwood, three candidates, Southwest, Barak and Dar. Next will be question two, which will go toward two candidates, Northeast in reverse alpha order. So starting with Angela Sharp, then Blake Gordon, John Cradle, and finally Brad, Brad Blackwood. Ward will answer question two. That'll start with David Plesher, then go to Eric Howard, and then Barbara Henze. And then question three will begin with Ward three candidates, starting with Eric Howard, then David Plesher, and then Barbara Henze. And then Ward two candidates will answer, starting with Blake Gordon, then Brad Blackwood, Angela Sharp, and John Cradle. Each candidate will have two minutes to answer each question. When they reach the one minute mark, our timer, Lindsay Walker, will raise it to let the candidate know he or she is at the halfway mark. Our timer will raise her card again at one minute 45 seconds to let the candidates know that it's about time to wrap up. At the end of two minutes, the timer will verbally call time. And we would ask that the audience please hold your applause till the end of the forum, and we will give a round of applause to our candidates at that time. All right, are we ready to begin? Okay, we are going to introduce the candidates. Uh, let's start with Ward 2, Brad Blackwood. John Cradle, Blake Gordon, and Angela Sharp. 
And now for Ward 3, we have Barbara Hinsey. Heisey. Eric Howard. And David Plesher. Ward 2, starting with Brad Blackwood. Your first question is, it's two parts. What attributes will make you a good commissioner and why did you decide to run? And for part B, which top three issues will, make, will you make a priority during your term as city commissioner? All right, <clears throat> I am here unify our community. Qualifications really are important at this point. It's a volunteer position based on giving the community one voice. As for the second part of this question, uh, housing issues, property maintenance and streets and utilities, business opportunities and all segments of our community to create and offer business opportunities allowing our area to grow. I plan to be your voice moving to moving our board to greater growth and potential. Thank you. Cradle? Are you all able to hear well out there? Yeah. All right. What and why did you decide to run? And which top three issues will you make a priority during your term as a city commissioner? We NAACP for this platform. So all of you for being here. My chef, two decades of experience in leadership the ability to work along with others, civic community involvement in Ardmore, and, and our uh, attributes that will make me a good commissioner. My wife has helped me understand some of the challenges and opportunities facing families in our city. As I have worked to help families these issues and take advantage of opportunities, my relationship with families in Ardmore have grown considerably closer. I'm running because I have been inspired by the citizens of Ardmore who desire to see Ardmore grow and, th and thrive. I am committed to continue working to make Ardmore a better place to live. As a city commissioner, I will listen to you and work along with you to build a better community together. My top three I issues will be economic development and infrastructure improvement on the northeast side, instituting a policy of community policing and also increasing affordable housing uh, opportunities uh, here in Ardmore. Thank you. Thank you. Next up is Blake Gordon. Your first question is what attributes will make you a good commissioner and why did you decide to run? Followed by what top three terms of city commissioner? Cool. Firstly, I want to thank uh, the NAACP and Ricky and uh, Roxanne and Cheryl for just setting up the event. Uh, can't be done without you. Can't, can't. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, so what makes me a good commissioner? I'm a visionary, first off. The need and conviction required to advance any cause 
is seeing Ardmore fulfill its highest potential. I want to see my community prosper, and from looking for starts from the bottom up. It starts with changing perceptions, and I believe through my unquenchable thirst for knowledge, I can provide the research and resources to my fellow commissioners so that we may most effectively serve our community. Knowledge is power, of course, and with it, possibilities are endless. Um, my big three policies that I really want to push for, more relaxed zoning ordinance. Now, that doesn't mean code enforcement. That means I want to change from the current single-use zoning that we currently take up that has the vast, vast majority of Ardmore's current land use um, to shift that into more mixed use, much like how we have downtown. Um, by overlapping residential, commercial, and, and retail, you're able to foster a closer-knit community, one that is walkable, one that has economic prosperity, and uh, man, it just makes it to where things can, people can live, work, and socialize within a compact geographic area. It just so happens that the very thing I envision is precisely what is called for uh, under the Arbor Comprehensive Plan. Um, that's pretty much it, honestly. Uh, walkable, pedestrian-friendly city. I feel like that really helps foster a close-knit sense of community, and I feel like that's what Ardmore really kind of needs at this point. Thank you. And now for Angela Sharp. What attributes will make you a good commissioner, and why did you decide to run? And what top three issues will you during your term as a city commissioner? The attributes that will make me a good commissioner is the love that I have for the community to come together as one in unity. I decided to, to bring change to our community and to open eyes that we need change in this community. The first issue is to open eyes and to get people involved in governmental affairs. The community events is a good way to do this. It starts within the city and moves to other areas and outside of our community into other communities. We each have a unique quality that makes it all work for good. The, the, first issue, the second issue I would like to be made priority is a low-income housing repair loan program. A lot of the houses in our community need mental, like three dollars to $5,000 worth of repair and the quality of the home will be greatly improved. Another is the water quality. I have met with the guy over this in the city and he assures me that our water quality is good. But he also told me that he encouraged me to buy a bottle of water. So why is our water conservation grants being used for parks when our water quality is not worthy to drink, potable? So, and another reason they, is why is our water bills continuing to increase when we have to go buy bottled water? That's all I have to say. Thank you. Thank you, Ward 2 candidates. And now for Ward 3 candidates, let's start with Barbara Heise. All right, what attributes would make you a good commissioner? and why did you decide to run? And what top three issues will you prioritize during your term? I, I decided to run for this because uh, I think that I have the education and the experience necessary to tackle this job. Uh, <clears throat> I've got a degree in psychology and administration and accounting, and uh, I am also CPA. So that's the people part of it, and that's also the numbers part of it. And if you get on the website to look for the city, a lot of it is numbers. 
Uh, I also uh, have served on several of the uh, town committees, civic committees like Ardmore Development Authority, Ardmore Planning Commission, uh, Ardmore Beautification Council, and uh, Ardmore Main Street Authority. In addition to that, I worked several of the elections. I've been on uh, Leadership Ardmore and Leadership Oklahoma. So I've got a lot of background. Now you can see that I'm the oldest candidate up here, so when you get to be my age, you have a lot of experience. But I really believe that it qualifies me for this position. Now as my top three priorities, I really don't have three priorities. I have several things I'm interested in. One of my top ones is recycling. We have a limited amount of land and we've got a lot of trash and it's not going away, so we can't keep filling up landfills. So I'd like to see recycling become big here. I think it'll take several years. There are a lot of problems we have to overcome, but I think we can do it real quick. All right, uh, Main Street, I think we have a parking problem on Main Street when the new uh, restaurant gets going. I think it'll be even worse. I think we need to look at parking now. I'd like to have biking and walking trails in all of the wards. And one of the things I think we're overlooking are seniors. We've got that wonderful clubhouse for youth. I'd love to have a clubhouse for seniors. They're underutilized. They've got time like time me. Is up. They've got time like me, and they're available. We need to use them. Thank you. Next up is Eric Howard. What attributes will make you a good commissioner? Why did you decide to run? And what top three issues will you prioritize during your term? Uh, first, thank every organization that's put this together, NAACP, every other organization, again, thanks for this. Um, honesty, ability to work with the team, and my financial background are just a few attributes to show that I have to be uh, a great commissioner. Uh, as I mentioned in my, in my bio, uh, one of the core values for an uh, organization I worked for, studying of, of Martin Dyer uh, and this seat coming open, it was an opportunity for me to come in and help. Um, as the commissioner, uh, I plan to bridge the gap between that they can come to and bridge that gap between communication. Um, when it comes to the, the three priorities, I have a lot of priorities as everybody else do, but I think one of the first priorities is uh, um, COVID-19 and understanding where we stand and getting vaccinations and making sure we're lowering our COVID numbers. Um, one of the other things is really understanding our mental health and homeless situation here from all aspects. So that's a big, that's a big issue and it, it takes a work from all of us as a team to work. Uh, if elected, I will be a commissioner for all of Armour. I will work with the mayor, chief, police chief and commissioners meeting with them regularly, answering needs, and making sure we're all answering concerns of the citizens. Thank you. Finally, David Plesher. Thank you. What attributes will make you a good commissioner, and why did you decide to run? And what top three issues will you make a priority during your term as city commissioner? Okay, I believe my civic uh, experience will make me a good commissioner. I'm a graduate of the 2004 class of Leadership Ardmore. Uh, I've spent two terms on the Chamber of Commerce Board. I spent three terms on the Ardmore Tourism Authority and three terms on the Ardmore, or the, yeah, the Ardmore Historic Preservation Board. 
Uh, aside from this, I have 30 years experience in the infrastructure business. The last 20 being out at East Jordan Ironworks, uh, where I'm the manager of the distribution center there, soon to retire. Um, also, uh, I have a stake in Ardmore. I own a business on Main Street, Main Street Coffee. Uh, we've been there for 17 years now and have gotten involved with Main, uh, Ardmore Main Street. And um, I, I think that means I got a stake in the future of this, of this city. My three priorities are, first of all, the safety of the city. I believe uh, my first priority is going to be to support and make sure that the police are being funded. Uh, my second priority is to get, find out what's going on, work with the Public Works Department on fixing the infrastructure, getting us quality, clean water to drink. We shouldn't have gray water. Um, and third priority is to put a program together to start getting into our schools and training our youth on uh, educating them on local government and getting them involved. Uh, they, they are our future leaders. We thank you, Ward 3 candidates. For question two, we're going to begin with Angela Sharp. Question two is, homelessness and mental illness are taking up more and more of our police resources, often keeping officers from working on higher priorities. How could the city, A, support the work of our officers, as well as, B, add services to aid the city and our officers in addressing homelessness and mental illness? Okay, A, we should encourage and support our officers in any way possible. Just as many in our community, they are just doing their job. We can stand with them and offer CEUs, continued education units, to case managers and counselors to assist in their calls as needed. Many homeless in our community do not want a hand out. They want help. They want prayer. They want encouragement along their journey. We can, we can work with the businesses in our community and help find job placement for them, some of them. Um, working together as one for the good of all is how we change our community. So we gotta stop seeing things as us and them and start seeing that we are all truly in this together. If one part of the city is not flourishing, then none of it is. Thank you, Angela. Next up is Blake Gordon. Yes, sir. Mm. All right, Blake, homelessness and mental illness are taking up more and more of our police resources, often keeping officers from working on higher priorities. How could the city, A, support the work of our officers as well as B, add services to aid the city and our officers in addressing homelessness and mental illness? That is a great question and I am glad that you asked. Right now our police, are, much like many of us in here, are overworked and underpaid for their efforts in keeping Ardmore a safe and sustainable city. The scope of their duties is simply too wide. They respond to everything from domestic violence, drug possession and distribution, homelessness, prostitution. They function as school security and in some cases even as animal control. Uh, we call on the police to protect us from every unexpected crisis up to and including mental health. There's too many, 
too many situations that require an entirely different response from the individual sent to deal with them. And that's stressful, no doubt about it. So what can we do to support the work of our officers? Simple, we can relieve them of some of the pressure placed upon them. And how do we go about doing that? With social programs. Think mental health services. Think drug treatment programs. Think affordable housing. These are services the city could provide or even just subsidize to improve the quality of life for its most destitute citizens. And consequently, raising the standard of living for all of its citizens. These programs would do more to help police focus on what I believe should be their sole duty than any amount of extracurricular training will ever do. We are calling the police who have eight hours of crisis intervention training to respond to situations that people spend eight years in university studying. As a direct result, we are sending our officers into situations where they are woefully ill-equipped, and yet we pretend to be surprised by the fact that one in five people shot and killed by police are afflicted with a mental illness. I believe our officers' sole duty should be keeping the peace, and I want them to be able to do just that. Police should function as an integral part of a larger public health system, not the sole representative of it. And increasingly, police and the correction system have become the last option to deal with the homeless and the mentally ill. I want to unburden them of that by incorporating community-based violence interrupters and mental health professionals to work as co-responders alongside our officers responding to incidents involving a mental health crisis. Other cities, such as OKC and Denver, have already done this and to great success, and it's time Ardmore joined them. Thank you, Blake. Next up, we have John Cradle. Homelessness and mental illness are taking up more and more of our police resources, often keeping officers from working on higher priorities. How could the city A, support the work of our officers as well as B, add services to aid the city and our officers in addressing homelessness and mental illness? Thank you. Homelessness, mental illnesses, and petty crimes are issues that sadly seem to go hand in hand. Uh, the city, uh, to help our, city, our, our police department, the city should provide training training that's uh, paid for, training that's also mandatory for uh, officers to attend. Um, to ensure this, of course, it has to be uh, approved in the budget. We have to th um, think about these things uh, and, and plan ahead. Um, if officers are also knowledgeable about shelters and knowledgeable, knowledgeable about uh, the different resources that are available, uh, they will also uh, know how to make proper decision and what's what's a crime and what's simply mental illness. Also, there should be a liaison on a police department or someone who is trained in crisis intervention on a police department. These are things, of course, again, that would need to be funded. Uh, however, uh, when you think of people that we know very well and these people have names, our brother Alvin and Cornelius, these people have names. And, and you think of them, um, it's worth putting in budget. It's worth taking the time for it to go for the training. These are some things, and this will also re reduce the strain on police officers, them, them having the ability and the know-how to be able to uh, know what's a mental health issue and what's a crime issue. So these are the things I believe we can do to uh, both help the police department and help the situation of homelessness in Armour. Thank you. Finally, we have Brad Blackwood. Homelessness and mental illness are taking up more and more of our police resources, often keeping officers from working on higher priorities. 
How could the city A, support the work of our officers as well as B, add services to aid the city and our officers in addressing homelessness and mental illness? Utilizing and hiring more community service officers to work to, with volunteers and trained staff to provide training and teaching life skills for our homeless and our mental ill help them become produ productive members of the community. Thank you. Next up from Ward 3, we have David Plesher. Homelessness and mental illness are taking up more and more of our police resources, often keeping officers from working on higher priorities. How could the city A, support the work of our officers, as well as B, add services to aid the city and our officers in addressing homelessness and mental illness? First of all, mental illness is an, an unfortunate situation that uh, we've been dealing with for a long time and really needs to be addressed at the state level. Uh, the best I believe that we can do at the municipal level is work with our nonprofits, work with our police, and, and find uh, temporary solutions, uh, you know, based on individual circumstances. The city can also play a role by working with our uh, representative, our state representative, to find that statewide solution. Aside from that, we need to be sure that our police are adequately trained to deal with mental illness. On homelessness, uh, that's another issue that is better handled by the organizations such as the Grace Center and Salvation Army and, and other organizations. The city should work with these and, and possibly other groups to find the best solution for people in this situation. Part of the problem with homelessness is the generosity of the people of Ardmore. Uh, we have resources, and uh, homeless people know that, and they are actually attracted to our city from surrounding areas, and not just from the surrounding areas, but, but they're being bused. Uh, the Greyhound bus is always busy bringing people in. Uh, so it, it's a plus and a minus for, for actions, but um, we have the resources to take care of them. Thank you. Next we have Eric Howard. Homelessness and mental illness are taking up more and more of our police resources, often keeping officers from working on higher priorities. How could the city A, support the work of our officers, as well as B, add services to aid the city and our officers in addressing homelessness and mental illness? Thank you. Yes, um, as all of you know and probably can see from driving around town that our homeless population and mental health population is definitely rising. Um, you know, I, I, I would definitely challenge ourselves too to understand that when you look at those numbers, it's not just the, the people that you see out there. We have people jumping from bed to bed in houses that would also be considered part of our homeless population. Uh, to fix this problem, I definitely would say um, we would need to team up with the experts would be the, the Grace Centers and, and the, the lighthouses of, of our communities and, and team up with them and use the resources that they have to, to help our, 
our um, our officers who are using you know all their time and resources doing you know dealing with these situations also we always have to go back to training to understand you know when you are dealing with a, a mental health person or a homeless person on how to how to attack that issue or how to approach that person so so yeah definitely i would say we need to team up and and reach out to our experts and that would definitely be the first step with with helping out in this community with that with that issue thank you very much Finally, we have Barbara. Homelessness and mental illness are taking up more and more of our police resources, often keeping officers from working on higher priorities. How could the city A support the work of our officers as well as B add services to aid the city and our officers in addressing homelessness and mental illness? Well, as you've heard up here, homelessness basically is a mental health problem, whether it's biological, like they're schizophrenic or chemical by drugs or alcohol. So, you know, that's the basic problem you have to deal with. We have several facilities in Ardmore that will help the homeless. The problem is that they have rules, you know, and sometimes the homeless don't want to abide by the rules. So that's kind of a catch-22. We're also limited by what the law allows. Uh, somebody said the other day, and it's true, being homeless is not illegal. So you can't just go and pick them up. Most of them are adults. It's not like they're children where you as the adult can do something to help them. So uh, I understand that you can probably pick them up if they are going to harm themselves or others, but you can only hold them for a few days and what do you do with them? Do you put them in jail? Do you send them to uh, Griffin Memorial in Norman? When they're there, they get back on their meds, they uh, dry up, they become lucid again, they're released back on the streets, they come back. And I happen to agree uh, that uh, they keep coming to Ardmore because many people enable them. Uh, I've seen them. We had a uh, building on East Main that we had a homeless man that lived there. And he slept there, he ate there, he littered there, and he used the bathroom there. It was really kind of disgusting. And we watched people come and give him coffee and bring him food, blankets when it was cold. You just can't enable and expect them to go away. You know, we have to do the tough love type thing. So we can either change the laws to make it easier somehow, but you have to do that through the legislature. You can't do that municipally. Or we can provide more facilities, and to build more facilities, you're gonna have to have taxes. People don't like that either. Something that I've been thinking about, uh, instead of defunding the police, I would like to give them more money, but oh, I wish I could have got into that with you. Sorry, two minutes is not enough time. Thank you, Barbara. It never is. Uh, for question three, we are going to begin with Eric Howard. <laughs> yes. Many members of the black community have described what they view as unfair treatment by police. For example, at a town hall meeting last summer, one resident who had recently retired and moved back to her hometown was using a walking stick during her daily walk. After a driver on East Main reported the woman walking down the street and carrying a hatchet, three police cars showed up to stop her and investigate. What steps could be taken to ensure fair treatment for all citizens? Um, this is an issue, I would say, for all communities. There's definitely a lot of communities have this issue. Uh, for the most part, um, I will say that most officers, most citizens, everybody really want to tackle this issue. It has been a world issue, and now it's a, I mean, it's a world, it's a community, it's everywhere. 
So uh, hate to always go back to training, but definitely this is a training issue. Uh, if we, if you know, wherever we could do to help in training, I think for me as as uh, as commissioner, I would like to see this happen prior to uh, our prior to these particular officers being. Uh, being hired even as a candidate. I think there needs to be some type of training or some type of vetting done for these officers as they're, as they're being a candidate and say hey show them some of the examples that they'll be faced with as an officer and then with this particular trainer or whatever we could get information back on from you know if, if, if it was HR department on if we should hire this person um, again, I think our, our community come from efforts of teaching these people how to deal um, with di di with diversity training. I'm sorry, I did say training, but this is definitely diversity training. Let me iterate that, that that's where the issue is and that's where we could tackle that problem. Thanks. Thank you. Next up, we have David. Many members of the black community have described what they view as unfair treatment by police. For example, at a town hall meeting last summer, one resident who had recently retired and moved back to her hometown was using a walking stick during her daily walk. After a driver on East Main reported the woman walking down the street and carrying a hatchet, three police cars showed up to stop her and investigate. What steps could be taken to ensure fair treatment for all citizens? Okay, first of all, I believe all people deserve to be treated fairly. I expect our police department to respect and act professionally to all of our citizens. And in the same manner, I would expect our citizens to respect our police officers. When issues do come up, I would expect that those issues are investigated and judged fairly. I think this will all boil down to training of our police officers and better hiring screening if needed. Thank you, David. Barbara? Many members of the black community have described what they view as unfair treatment by police. For example, at a town hall meeting last summer, one resident who had recently retired and moved back to her hometown was using a walking stick during her daily walk. After a driver on East Main reported the woman walking down the street and carrying a hatchet, three police cars showed up and stopped her to investigate. What steps could be taken to infer innocence? Well, I have to agree. Training, training, training. Uh, I think we can use... I would love to have an in-house counselor on the police department. That's what I'd like to use the extra money for, not only for training the police to be on call if they're needed to go out when you have to handle the homeless. And I realize that's probably not something we can do in a small community, but perhaps we could have a counselor on contract so they could be called out. Uh, I, I do think that when, I don't know what the rest of this story is, if the lady was uh, not treated fairly or whatever, we were only given limited information on this question, but I think it should have been a simple thing of communication, a reasonable communication. My husband, who's an attorney, has told me for several years that people would just communicate with each other. A lot of lawyers wouldn't have jobs because that's what they, you know, you get in arguments. So if they'd come up upon her, they ask her about, uh, they saw that they had a, uh, somebody said they had a hatchet. Did she have a, what did she have in her hand? She had a walking stick. 
have you seen anybody with a hatchet? No, I have not. Well, then it must have been a prank call, uh, and they should have just gone their separate ways. There shouldn't have been any confrontation at all, in my opinion. So it's training of skilled professionals, helping the police with scenarios like everything that happened last year, all the egregious incidents, so that they could practice with them and say, what did they do wrong here with uh, George Floyd? What did they do wrong? What did they do right? If you're in this situation, how would you handle it? So when the police go out there, they've kind of got it in their back of the mind. Oh, I've gone through this before. I know what I really need to do. Uh, communication and training. That's what we need. Thank you, Barbara. Next up, we have Blake Gordon. Many members of the black community have described what they view as unfair treatment by police. For example, at a town hall meeting last summer, one resident who had recently retired and moved back to her hometown was using a walking stick during her daily walk. After a driver on East Main reported the woman walking down the street and carrying a hatchet, three police cars showed up to stop her and investigate. What steps could be taken to ensure fair treatment for all citizens? Great question, and um, I'm ready to have that conversation. I actually remember this incident in particular because I attended that town hall meeting where she gave that story. Um, I vividly remember my shock upon hearing it because this is a little old lady that we're talking about. We don't really need to send three cruisers to go and investigate an old lady walking. I want to see a walkable community. I don't want people being terrorized or feeling unsafe just because they want to go for a nice jaunt down Main Street. Um, I actually have a very similar story myself upon returning back to Ardmore. Um, it started with me taking my sister's car with a friend late at night, going to a Taco Bell, you know, late night Taco Bell run. Very simple, very easy. It was on the return trip back that we had problems. Um, now, I need to make a left turn. A police cruiser is in the left lane. I'm in the right lane. And he will just simply not let me over. I speed up. He speeds up. I slow down. He slows down. So at this point, I'm getting really close to my turn, and I'm going to end up missing it. So I take a right instead of taking a left. And as soon as I do that, he gets behind me and throws his lights on. It was a huge altercation um, that ended up with, I think, three other cruisers and five other officers there. Um, they claimed that we had stolen the car and that we, I don't know, I guess we just looked suspicious. Um, I ended up having to call my sister to sort out this entire misunderstanding. Um, the incident came to a conclusion shortly after, leaving me pretty visibly shaken. Um, I have no qualms identifying the problem we as a community have with the police. I think those problems are going to be accountability and transparency, of which we have very little of either, if any, from the department. The problem I have is identifying solutions that work. Many possible solutions tried in other municipalities, such as body cameras and civilian oversight committees, have proven ineffectual in holding police accountable for their actions. So honestly, I don't know what should be done. What I can tell you. Thank you. Next up, we have Brad Blackwood. Many members of the black community have described what they view as unfair treatment by police. For example, at a town hall meeting last summer, one resident who had recently retired and moved back to her hometown was using a walking stick during her daily walk. After a driver on East Main reported the woman walking down the street and carrying a hatchet, three police cars showed up to stop her and investigate. What steps should be taken to ensure fair treatment for all citizens? Well, for one thing, the entire system is flawed. 
Why did the driver have to call the police in the first place for someone carrying a walking stick? We need unity for all of Ardmore. We need more community activities. These events would educate and unify the community. Feel like that the situations would be better have the city officials do ride-alongs with the officers and education is key to a brighter future. Thank you, Brad. Next, we have Angela Sharp. Many members of the black community have described what they view as unfair treatment by police. For example, at a town hall meeting last summer, one resident who had recently retired and moved back to her hometown was using a walking stick during her daily walk. After a driver on East Main reported the woman walking down the street and carrying a hatchet, three police cars showed up to stop her and investigate. What steps should be taken to ensure fair treatment for all citizens? When I first heard this question, my first thought was there was not enough information. And then I did some little investigation. I found out this truly did happen in our community with one of our elderly citizens. And she didn't even have a, a hatchet in her hand. It was just a stick, not even a walking stick, just a stick. So I believe that we should remove things such as professional courtesy. We have some in our community that know no matter what they do, they will never get in trouble. But we have others in our community that, don't know, that know no matter what they do, they will get in trouble. We have others that know, oh wait, sorry. Restructuring our police force and limiting the discretion of some officers is needed. I, believe, I thought our police force was doing well in this until I did some research and talking to the people in the community. And they do need a lot more continued training and multicultural courses. It has not always been that way, but they have, they're getting better. It has been a lot worse, and I know if you're from this community, you know what I'm talking about. It's, been, it's getting better than it was, let me put it that way. But they have seen that when we work together, it brings change. So we have to come together, each group of people, however you want to separate it, you know, whatever you want to say there. We all have to come together and bring our diverse differences and views together to change these things, right? So as citizens, we should be treated the same regardless of who we know, what we do, or anything else. Thank you, Angela. Finally, we have John Cradle. Many members of the black community have described what they view as unfair treatment by police. For example, at a town hall meeting last summer, one resident who had recently retired and moved back to her hometown was using a walking stick during her daily walk. After a driver on East Main reported the woman walking down the street and carrying a hatchet, three police cars showed up to stop her and investigate. What steps could be taken to ensure fair treatment for all citizens? Blake, I too was present at that town hall meeting. In fact, I sat right there where Ms. Varner is sitting right now. Uh, and sitting there and hearing that, uh, it almost brought tears to my eyes because I thought about my 89-year-old mother who's here right now with a walking stick. And I thought about what if she was walking down the street with a walking stick during that time. Uh, I wouldn't want to see anybody's mother, anybody's brother, sister be mistreated uh, by anybody and certainly by those who uh, are charged to protect and to serve. I think the only, the only uh, answer, well, the best, I'll say the best answer is community policing. We have to institute community policing. Uh, 
Our campaign talks about building tomorrow together. We can't do it, we can't do it uh, single-handedly, but we have to come together to do it as one. So uh, it, it's gonna take community policing. When we talk about community policing, we're talking about police officers that actually get to know the people who live in the community. And if you know uh, the east side of town, even if you're not an elderly person, you better walk with some type of stick in your hand because there's dogs, stray dogs, roaming the streets. And if you want to take a walk, uh, you got to be able to defend yourself sometimes against the dogs that are walking, the stray dogs that are walking the street. So uh, I think community policing is something uh, that will go a long way. Police officers that know the names of our children, police officers that knows the, know the name of our seniors, police officers that know the name of the people in our community. Thank you. At this time, if you'd like, you may give the candidates a round of applause for their answers. Thank you all for coming and sharing your goals for Ardmore. We really appreciate it. Next up, we're going to have Stephanie Coleman, the OG&E Community Relations Coordinator. She's coming. Watch your step. Thank you guys so much for coming and I am so glad to see so many people here. At this time I would like to thank Miss Carolyn for coming to do our moderation and I have a token of appreciation for you. Thank you so much for coming, we surely appreciate it. You're welcome, you're welcome. Again, I'd like to ask that you would give all our candidates a round of applause, our MC, and also uh, for our uh, committee uh, tonight uh, who is responsible for putting this together. Thank uh, Mr. Bailey tonight uh, for uh, recording this and streaming it out on, uh, on uh, musicalsoulfood.com. Uh, we we're grateful to have him tonight. Uh, we thank Ms. Uh, Liz Austin for uh, the snacks that are left out here for you. Uh, if there's anything left, feel free uh, to smash it uh, and, and, and have, have at it. Uh, uh, so we, we just thank all of you tonight uh, for being here. So uh, right now I would like to ask uh, uh, Cedric Bailey if he would come and uh, give us a closing prayer. And then after that, I'll be right back and we'll be ready to let you go home. Thank you, Pastor McGee. Quick announcement, this recording will be up tonight at 10 o'clock tonight. It'll be on Spotify. Just look up under my name, Cedric Bailey. If not, send me an email, and I will make sure that you will be able to get your personal copy. I will have it up by 10 o'clock tonight on Spotify up under my name. And to the candidates, make sure you stop by and see me. I will give you 10 minutes personally just for you to share your time. You will get 10 minutes, so come see me afterwards. Can we all stand at this time? Dear Father, we thank you for what we heard on today. 
Lord, we ask you to take us to the next level. Lord, we ask that the person that we select as the next commissioner for this city in these precincts will be able, in these wards, to take us to the next level. God, continue to bless our world that we will be able to come together as one. We can't do it without you, Lord. So I'm asking you to continue to bless this entire community. And a special prayer for our boys team tonight as they represent us in the city of Tulsa. Take them to the next level. Lord, thank you for this community and thank you for the NAACP and their efforts that they made on this evening. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, before we go, uh, let me uh, just have a few uh, last comments uh, tonight. Uh, uh, listen, uh, one of the things I'd like for us to understand tonight is uh, so many people have a misconception about the NAACP. We are not just a black organization. Uh, we don't only uh, uh, look into and address issues in the black community. Uh, this NAACP organization is an organization for all. And we certainly need your support. Uh, we are uh, making, uh, making it our business to make a uh, proactive approach to all community issues and community problems. Uh, things that are going on in the community, uh, trying to make a difference in our community. And we certainly would love to have you all, all of you, uh, to become a part of the NAACP. Uh, as, as of right now, we are having our meetings on Zoom uh, until uh, the COVID protocol has been lifted. Uh, we, uh, uh, we meet on Zoom, we post that uh, link, uh, on, we meet on uh, the third Saturday of every month at 7 p.m. Uh, we try to hold our meetings down to an hour. Everyone is welcome, whether you're a member or not. Uh, if, you, if you feel free and have time, uh, drop in and uh, give us your ideas and, and, and listen in. Uh, also, uh, those cards that you have, can we please collect those cards? Uh, those three by, uh, three by fives, uh, may we have those cards, please? Please pass those cards uh, to uh, one of our committee members. Uh, again, uh, the other questions that have been prepared uh, from our uh, community and from uh, Social Network, uh, our candidates have answered those questions. Uh, those questions will be turned in tonight. Uh, the answers to those questions will be turned in tonight. They will be posted on uh, social media uh, for you uh, to go in and look at. They will be posted on uh, the Black Lives Matter page. They'll be posted on uh, uh, the NAACP uh, uh, Facebook page. Uh, and there's one other page. Uh, Ms. Cheryl, what, what, what was that? In the okay. Uh, th those, those questions and answers will be posted out there for you. And we thank all of your candidates uh, tonight for submitting your questions to us. Those of you who, who uh, have, uh, uh, do you have your questions now? Okay, have you? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Gordon, have you turned yours in? Okay, Mr. Plesher. Uh, Mr. Howard, okay, here you go. And again, thank you and good night. Thank you for being here tonight. Thank you.
We also want to thank the community center, uh, uh, HFV Wilson, for allowing us to be here tonight. And what was it, Miss Cheryl? Lots of food, lots of food. Don't go home hungry. <laughs>